In a historic moment, Assistant Minister for Indigenous Health, Malandiri McCarthy, has become the first Indigenous Australian woman to deliver Australia's national statement to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women in New York. The Australian delegation also includes the Sex Discrimination Commissioner Kate Jenkins, E-Safety Commissioner Julie Inman-Grant and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Social Justice Commissioner June Oscar. Senator McCarthy is in New York. It's very late there now. She joins me on RN Drive. Welcome to you, Senator. Oh, hello, Andy, and hello to all your listeners. Lovely to, to be on the line. You are the first Indigenous Australian woman to deliver this statement. That must have been a big moment for your career. Well, I haven't really had a chance to think about it from that perspective, I guess, Andy. I just wanted to make sure I got it right uh, and made sure that the delegation that we brought over here, uh, who are just incredible women, uh, to walk beside uh, here at the United Nations, I just felt enormously proud that uh, we, we could represent our country in a way that uh, talked about issues that really do matter for women, but not just in Australia, but around the world. I mean, how significant is this, particularly for Indigenous Australian uh, Australians and Indigenous Australian women? Look, this was an important moment for all Australian women, Andy. I guess I just want to make that clear from the outset. Our representation here is for, for all of the women of Australia. And I particularly also wanted to focus again, uh, obviously, on First Nations women because of the um, the vulnerability and the disadvantage that's faced even more for First Nations women in our country. And it was a shared view with other countries like Greenland, for example, when I met uh, many of the countries in bilaterals, talked about uh, their First Nations people. Uh, when I met with Canada today and met with uh, the First Nations people there, they spoke of those issues. But we all shared uh, certainly the concerns around uh, violence, family and domestic violence for all women, and the need to, you know, make sure that uh, the gender pay gap uh, is really decreased and enables women across the globe to get themselves out of poverty. Yeah, so on that, that last idea there of, of gender equity, I mean, that's at the heart of the Australian government's vision for the future, according to your statement. So what is the government doing to push that vision? Well, we are trying to do quite a number of things. I mean, the national gender pay gap in Australia is at 13.3%, Andy, and it's certainly higher for Indigenous women and it widens as women become older. So we've certainly seen legislation in recent months uh, in regards to uh, increases in pay in areas like uh, the care sector. We know that uh, many of our women in Australia are working in that sector and we know that through COVID we needed to ensure that there was much greater support uh, for all employees, but in particular women in that sector. So these are just some of the examples that we're looking at. But we're also dealing with other issues, Andy, like online abuse, like the trolling of women, like the disgraceful uh, commentary of women that really can hurt and, and young girls. Uh, also, you know, the material that can go online that uh, can be indeed offensive or pornographic. All of these things are at the heart of the discussions this week at the United Nations of how we can stop that. The uh, the priority theme of this year's event is innovation and technological change and education in the digital age. You sort of touched on it there mm -hmm. with the sort of online uh, issues that young women uh, in this country particularly seem to be targeted uh, on. I mean, you said in your speech that this is critical to closing the gap. 
Just kind of connect those yes. ideas for me. Sure. And this is about closing, you know, the, or bridging the digital divide uh, for women. I mean, we've seen uh, certainly that uh, in remote and regional Australia, whether you're a, a pastoralist, a farmer, women who live on the land, uh, First Nations women in their communities who are rangers or caregivers in terms of uh, the families around them, they don't have access uh, to the kind of technology that they should have, as you would say in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, and these are things that we've seen replicated around the world. So bridging that digital divide uh, was clearly at the heart of this week's meeting. And I know in terms of what we're trying to do in Australia, uh, we've got uh, you know the better connectivity plan for regional and rural Australia, where we want to see more than 1.1 billion delivered into regional communities to address it. And I spoke, Andy, just about uh, just recently, just in the last couple of days and weeks, where we've seen communities evacuated uh, in northern in the Northern Territory and Western Australia, and a lot of those communities didn't have access to online. So we're we're talking about uh, that digital divide uh, and and access. So that's been really important here. And if I could just add, sorry, if I could just say this, we do have a wonderful e commissioner uh, in Julie uh, Inman Grant, uh, and she is. Uh, the only commissioner, not only in Australia, but around the world, who uh, is helping us really try and deal with this. You know, Senator, I've got two little girls and I do my best to expose them to uh, STEM, whether it be in books or in toys yes. or just, you know, in programming on television. We know that women are chronically underrepresented in STEM fields. This is something else that you've brought up in your address. You say that discrimination can be baked in from the start. How does it manifest, do you think? Why are women able, uh, you know, not able to, to get a start in STEM, unlike their, mm. their male counterparts? It's interesting. We, we had a number of discussions with different groups this week. And, and one of the things that struck me was uh, when I was speaking to women from Kenya, that they've got a break or we've all got a break, this uh, systemic view that we can't do it as well. So it's about attitudes. It's about changing uh, the system and encouraging our kids, like your kids, for example, um, not not just with dolls, but, you know, give them a stethoscope, you know, give them a hard hat uh, so that they're playing with uh, toys. Like it can be as simple as that in terms of trying to uh, break through the the realities of what we can actually achieve as, as young girls and women. Uh, in, in our country and around the world. You've also spoken about the importance of women in the workforce more broadly. What is the scope of the opportunity? How much can our economy grow if women work in STEM industries? Oh, look, our economy can uh, grow quite significantly. Andy, you know, I spoke about that in my speech about the importance of, uh, of STEM. And if we were uh, at our best, uh, we would be contributing in the in the areas of billions to the Australian economy uh, if we could uh, increase uh, the the amount of uh, women working in STEM uh, subjects and and employment you know across Australia. 
Yeah, I think your figure was 1.8 billion a year over the next right. 20 years, which is sort of incredible when we come to think about the economic and workforce challenges we face as a country. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Senator Mullandiri McCarthy. She's in New York. It's very late there. Uh, and she is the first Indigenous Australian woman to deliver Australia's national statement to the UN Commission on the Status of Women. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Senator, about you know chatting with the folks from Greenland and uh, what was it? Was it Iceland? I can't remember. But the point is... You, no, really, well, both. both, both. both okay. <laughs> well, this is the kind of thing, you know, you're mixing with other countries, their own experiences, both with, um, you know, closing the gap when it comes to Indigenous folk or, or, or women. What are some of these lessons that you've heard, these ideas that you could bring back with you? Oh, clearly the fact that uh, one of the universal feelings here is that when women support women, women succeed. And I certainly saw that when I first came into politics uh, in Australia. But it's a global theme, Andy, that we've got to reach out. You know, we have uh, women trying to succeed in different places, just trying to live, uh, to rise above family and domestic violence, to have uh, their own financial capability, to step out of that kind of situation and out of poverty. So, so there is this sense of connectedness uh, amongst the women of the globe coming together. But the reality is, is that when we go back to Australia, we do need to really target uh, these uh, policies that certainly I know my colleagues in the Cabinet have uh, identified, like the 1,000 digital traineeships, Andy, you know, in the Australian Public Service. Uh, we need to get moving on that. We need to get moving on, uh, say, the Community Development Program, which is the, the program for 40,000 First Nations or others, not just First Nations, but mainly First Nations people across Northern Australia, and, and a large percentage of that is women. I do want to talk more on closing the gap. I mean, the latest closing the, da the gap data finds some measures are going backwards, including targets to reduce suicide rates of First Nations people. Is enough being done by the federal government in this space? That uh, data that came out this week was a, a, a data by the Productivity Commission and it, it does release, it has a good look at what's going on. We spoke in the Parliament, Andy, just at the end of last year and I certainly did, expressing deep disappointment that we didn't seem to be progressing uh, far enough and quickly enough uh, in terms of closing the gap. But I also mentioned that this was the first time I was speaking as someone who is in government. You know, I've been in opposition uh, with others, you know, for the last uh, near decade. And now we have to uh, turn it around. Now we have the opportunity to do that. And uh, this is certainly something I'm very focused on doing. The report also found a number of targets have, in fact, improved, but are not on track, such as improving healthy birth weights for Aboriginal and Torres Strait mm -hmm. Islander babies by 2031. I mean, that's pretty worrying. Are you concerned that most of these targets won't, in fact, be hit? Look, I am concerned about the fact that those targets uh, are slow and not moving quickly enough. But working in the health space, we have terrific Aboriginal community-controlled health organisations across Australia. We saw their capability through the pandemic, Andy, where we were so worried that First Nations people would be in the high category, you know, of fatalities. But thankfully, for, for those art shows in particular, we could see that uh, they can do the job. And what they need to do is be resourced, and, and that's certainly something I'm working on with Mark Butler as the Health Minister to make sure 
that those um, community-controlled health organisations are resourced to assist in these targets like a healthy um, birth weights for our babies. Because if these targets aren't hit, indeed it, it appears right now most won't be, what does that tell you about Labor's priority towards closing the gap? Well, I just think that we have to be given a chance. Uh, we've, you know, we've not been in government for nearly 10 years and uh, we've got the next couple of years to turn this around. It will take time, but I am absolutely determined, along with my colleagues, to make sure we can do that. Would an Indigenous voice to Parliament help address these issues, do you think? Well, we want to see an Indigenous voice to Parliament. Uh, this is something we've uh, certainly supported since 2017 when uh, the Uluru Statement from the Heart was delivered uh, by the people who attended there at Uluru on Aningu country. And I know that it will go a long way, if successful, uh, in ensuring a lot of uh, the concerns that First Nations people have, and not just in closing the gap, but in general, daily life uh, and legislative issues that impact First Nations people, it will make a difference, and I do believe that. Just finally, Senator, at the beginning of your address, you mentioned the government's commitment to enshrine a First Nations voice to Parliament. It was reported earlier this week that support for the yes vote is slipping, reflecting on the conversations that you've had with people in New York about this issue, perhaps how they've tackled uh, constitutional recognition for their First Nations people. Is, is, it, is it your view that if we do get this over the line, that our reputation globally will improve? And if not, will it suffer? Without a doubt, Andy, uh, countries are watching us. Uh, the countries that I've certainly spoken to in terms of Canada, in terms of Singapore, uh, in terms of Peru, uh, Greenland, you know, the Dutch, uh, all of them are watching. And that's just to name a few of the uh, countries I've met with over here. Uh, and they want to also know that uh, if this is a way through that can assist First Nations people of Australia, they want to look at what it can do, uh, something similar in their respective places. Because, you know, there's a challenge uh, in, in many countries uh, where First Nations people are, and uh, no doubt they will be watching us very closely. Senator, I do appreciate your time today. Still time for a hot dog and a ride in a yellow cab tonight <laughs> for you, I hope, and uh, and some sleep, Thank no you. doubt. Uh, <laughs> Senator Malandiri McCarthy, all the way from New York. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Andy. Getting in touch with ABCRN is easy. Join the conversation live using the ABC Listen app's call and text features.